So, welcome everyone to this episode of TubaCast. Tonight, me and my dad are going to talk about role models, heroes, people we, we look up to, people that inspire us, that sort of thing. Uh, the idea came to us from Craig Perrell. He was a guest on our host a while back. And I, I put it down on the schedule. And then, at, um, actually, a lady I work with went around a few weeks ago and was asking everybody the exact same question because she was going to give a sermon on it at her church. And she was going to compare the role models that the 30, 40, 50, 60 year olds had versus the teens and preteens of today, um, which I would really like to hear what they had to say. But so without uh, further ado, we're going to go ahead and just jump into it. And if you want to start, Dad. Sure. Uh, I really don't remember that there was any person that I looked up to, but I was I was thinking about it. You know, I think it's it's uh, it's probably common or quite. I'd say I think common for someone to say, "Oh yeah, I I looked up to John Wayne the Duke because he was an inspiring person and a good actor." And. Uh, that wasn't the case for me, but I was thinking, you know what, back when I was growing up, what, what did I, uh, what did I look forward to? Uh, you know, I was in school, big deal. So <laughs> one of the things, uh, a couple of things I, well, okay. One thing that I always looked forward to was Disney on Sunday evening. So I'm talking about, uh, the sixties. Okay. Disney, you know, Disney was you know, when you lived out in the country. Well, there was no cable. So it was all it was all uh, broadcast through the you know through the air like it like it is now. But there was your basic ABC, CBS, NBC. That was it. And uh, and on Sunday night, one of those channels had had the Disney Hour. Okay. And okay. Uh, they always had a, a, a show. Disney had a show. Is that is that when he was still alive, or is that? Cause they, I don't know. He may still have been alive because this is this would be uh, mid sixties. Because didn't right he here. didn't he used to um, sort of like give a little talk or a speech or something before the shows, or maybe that was something? Yeah. Else? So I, yeah, you're right. I guess he was still alive because at the beginning of the show he would say something. I mean, you know, not. I don't know if it would be a speech, but he would he would introduce the show. Okay. So I guess Walt Disney was still alive at that time. So this might be more like 60 to 65, probably. Yeah. Because I graduated from high school in 69. So this probably would have been around the 65 time frame and, and maybe a few years earlier. So anyway, Disney would, Disney would come on a Sunday evening. And one of the shows that I really, really, really liked was uh, a show about Davy Crockett. Okay. All the things he did when he was out in the woods and doing whatever he was he was doing. So that that I really enjoyed. I, so I don't know that I would say I looked up to him, but it's one of the things that impressed me that I remember that I wanted to see. The other one was uh, Gunsmoke, Matt Dillon. Okay. He was always the good guy, a no-nonsense good guy. So instead of John Wayne, I had Matt Dillon, whoever he was. Uh huh. 
so so you sort of looked up to them and and did you kind of do you think that some of the way they acted on TV affected the way you acted as a kid, you know, like some of that? I don't I don't I don't know. I don't think so. But but I but I just don't remember. I, I just remember that those are those those are some impressions of shows that I really enjoyed watching, and they were good shows. You know, uh, Matt Dillon was the good guy fighting the bad guys, and uh, Davy Crockett was the good guy fighting whoever he needed to fight Indians, bad guys, whatever. And 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 I don't remember. I don't. You know, Davy Crockett ended up at the Alamo in real life. Uh huh. I don't know that Disney ever had an episode. I don't remember where they actually had an episode where he went down there, you know, because that was the season finale. (laughs) Yeah, that would be the end. You know, there's no more David Crockett. That would be a good way to end the series, though. I don't, I, I don't know how they ended it, but yeah, I don't either. Have to look it up. Well, uh, I, I was going to say uh, along this, I have two real sort of role models, but as far as TV goes, um, growing up in the eighties, see, we used to watch MacGyver, the A team. Um, what were some other ones? Knight Rider, stuff like that. And what I always picked up, even like some of the cartoons, he man, GI Joe, stuff like that. Since we used to watch them so much for me, it sort of just became ingrained in, in my, I guess, psyche or whatever, just watching them, that I wanted to be like those guys. And the things that stood out the most for me is that there's a good guy and there's a bad guy. There, there were no gray people. You know, there's no gray back in the 80s. You were good or you were bad. And you either did the right thing or you did the bad, you did a, the wrong thing. But, you know, you could atone for yourself, you know, and you could always come back to the good side, so to speak. And, um, even with like Star Wars and stuff, there's the good guys and the bad guys, and and the good guys were they always seemed to just have more fun, and they they had a camaraderie about them. And the thing that really stood out the most to me, and I don't remember which show it was from, but it was sort of just you um you do what you say you're gonna do, and then if you your your um your word is your bond sort of thing, like you know if. You don't have to shake hands. You don't have to sign a deal. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. And I guess a lot of the shows had that kind of thing. They didn't go around breaking their word and stuff. And uh, so that from TV shows, that's kind of some of the stuff that I picked up. Um, and even you know the He-Man cartoon and stuff like that. Uh, so that's I guess that's kind of like my TV influence from growing up. And I've wondered about kids today's what kind of role models they see on TV, especially since it, it seems like more and more people and, you know, adults and kids are watching TV. What kind of messages are they getting? Because, because it just seemed like when we were growing up, there was such a strong good versus evil. You know, you knew who was good and you knew who was bad. And I know that doesn't reflect the world outside you, but it helps you be a good person, you know. Because right. you don't want to be the bad guys. You want to be the good guys. And now everything is just so gray. It's like, well, you know, I stole this car, but I rescued somebody. Well, and I, you know, I crashed a bunch of buildings and blew up some stuff, but I saved the day. You know, that, yeah, but 
you just destroyed all those people's property, so it's not really you're not really that good, but you're not bad, you know. You got away with it, you know. So I don't know. It, it's if it, if there's any teens or young young people out there, email us in and let us know what your role models are from TV or you know your uh, influences. Yeah, I don't know what teens are watching nowadays since I don't have a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. With with our, you know, our kids are so little. All we ever have on is the Disney Channel or Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network. So, but uh, Cartoon Network, even some of the cartoons are just really aimed at young kids, or they're almost teenager. There's not there doesn't seem to be a middle ground for like middle school and preteens. I could be wrong, but but uh, my my other two, I guess the the two role models I had. The real people wise growing up would be you and grandpa and I don't remember really being around a whole lot of adults just because you know we lived in Indiana and then when we moved down here we were already you know starting school and we saw the family and whatnot but you and grandpa were my two role models sort of along the same lines as what I said about the tv shows is that you guys always did the right thing and you, you I'd as far as I know, neither one of you ever lied to anybody or cheated anybody. And especially with Grandpa when we would come down here, he always seemed to, he, he was always helping somebody. And even if it, they just needed help with painting a house, you know, he wasn't a house painter, but he would help. Or if they needed fix something fixing on a car, he would help, you know. And, yeah. and he always knew people, like if he didn't know how to do it, he would still help you, but he would tell you the right person to call, and then he would help anyway. Um, and then, then it also seemed like, and I guess that's with you and Grandpa, that old kind of country um, breeding or whatever, where you help everybody, and you don't, you don't really think twice about it, and you give anybody the shirt off your back. And that's sort of a cliche maybe for, like, city folk, but out when you really meet some people that – grow up in small communities where you really do depend on each other that's a real that's a real thing you're right and that's sort of what i got from from the from you and, and grandpa growing up so uh those are those are my two i, I guess real life superhero models <laughs> well you know matthew made the comment once about how grandpa was the patriarch of the family that anybody who had a problem or anybody who needed help would come to him right i guess him and grandma they were like what they were like the people that held the family together and even you know whether it was his family or grandma's family they were the they were the go-to people and i guess I guess after all those years of doing the right thing and doing doing exactly what you just said, people people uh, uh, I don't want to say relied on them but respected them because there was a lot of people who would go there and and, and visit them and talk to them about stuff. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, it, it the respect thing. I've, I I kind of forgotten about that because I remember we would come down and visit you know aunts and uncles and stuff, and we were taught to give everybody hugs and. And say hello and stuff, but if if Grandpa needed something or or you didn't give Grandpa a hug or say hello, you know, I mean, you just didn't do that. 
you know, Grandpa, you you always helped Grandpa or said hello to Grandpa or, or you know, whatever Grandpa needed, you know, you, you better be there because, you know, because of the respect. Not because anybody told you to, but growing up, then you got your other uncles and stuff, and, you know, maybe you kind of slack off around them, but not Grandpa, you know. And it's, it's interesting because I think I've met other people who don't have that strong, like you said, patriarch kind of governing the family. Some, some, uh, some families have like a real strong mother figure, like I guess grandma or mom would be. And, but it would seem more like it was kind of grandpa. And you kind of need that, that, that glue or whatever, at least, you know, to help straighten people out and keep the whole family in line. I think, I don't know. I think you're right. Like I say, I can't, I can't think of a person that was a role model to me. I guess, I guess, you know, I guess it would, if there was one, it would have to be my parents mm-hmm. because they're the ones I spent, you know, all my time with. Uh, I don't, I don't know of any high school kids or, or even teachers that are really would emulate. Because I always got along good with my parents. So maybe maybe they were my, my role models and I didn't even know it. Yeah, I guess, I guess it could be, you know, if you, if, you got, if you get along with your family, you may not realize their influence as opposed to if you couldn't stand them and you went somewhere else and, and found, you know, some love or affection somewhere else, it, you may, it, the difference may really stand out. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was uh, I was at some school function. I don't know. It was one of these interscholastic league things, and I was with some other students, and we were talking about parents, and 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 I and I remember talking to this one was this one student from this other school. I didn't know who they were. I don't remember who they were, and they were talking about their parents and and everything about how man they can't stand their parents. They they don't get along and all this and all that. And, you know, it's just hard on them. And he said, what about you? And I said, uh, I get along fine with my parents. And they looked at me like like I was weird. <laughs> well, you're probably the minority in that group. I guess I was. <laughs> I sort of had the same thing in college. Once I started getting to know, there's so many different people from all over the world. And there's so many different stories. But there were some that got along with their family, but a lot of them didn't. And and you you sit and you know hang out and you're talking and stuff and and so I just never had anything to say. I was like, uh, no, I mean, I my life was great compared to yours. I mean, uh, we got along great. I mean, high school wasn't perfect, but it wasn't nearly as bad as what everybody else was saying. So I was like, yeah, okay, can we talk about something else? <laughs> but yeah, I know. Um, uh, I've heard a lot of people around here mention John Wayne as a role model, like Roger Poole. He really liked John Wayne. And uh, I could definitely see see that because, you know, he's such a straight shooter. And um, what was the saying? He always always sit tall in the saddle or something. Uh, anyway, yeah, there's some kind of phrase about sitting sitting up straight in the saddle and something, but... I could definitely see that, you know, in the people growing up in what the fifties and sixties. Yes, I guess even on into the seventies, because he was still making movies. I think into the seventies. 
I guess going back to so when I was growing up in the 80s, kind of going back to what we talked about before about how, at least to kids, or to me anyway, everything seemed so optimistic. And a lot of the movies that I remember seeing, yeah, actually most of them, that, the action movies anyway, it was always one man against you know all the bad guys or against the government or corruption or whatever. And it was one guy, and he always won. And I know they, you know, now people look back and kind of make fun of it. Like, there's no way, you know, Rambo could defeat the Russian army or defeat all those, you know, the, those Vietnamese soldiers or whatever. But, you know, that's not really the point for us growing up. On the one level, it's just a fun action movie. But what it taught me was one person can make a difference. And I know that's, it seems cheesy now, but when you're a kid and you're like, well, hey, you know, Look, Schwarzenegger beat all those guys, and he he beat the Predator. Or, you know, He-Man defeated all Skeletor's bad guys. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, he's just one guy, and he did all that. And, yeah, he's a super muscle man, and he's got superpowers, but it's one guy, and he made a difference, you know. Right. And and, and they taught that in their shows. There, it was A lot of people make fun of the cartoons because they're like, yeah, they're stupid, and they're commercials for toys. And they were, but... They they were really a lot of the cartoons had a lot of depth to them. They had a lot of stories, and they taught kids a lot. And you know, a lot of, if you don't watch them, you don't really pick up on it. But they have a lot of they teach a lot of morals and ethics in those shows. And it, and there was always the good guys win. It was always you can do your part. You may not be the superhero, but you can do your part and you can make a difference. So there i don't have a defeatist attitude you know i don't have a negative attitude like i guess maybe some kids do now because they don't they're not being inspired like that i don't know of any tv shows that are out there saying you know one person can make a difference it's more like nobody can make a difference you know well i think nowadays i was just thinking about it i think well at least the past few years whether it's one to ten years Sports figures have been really big in role models. They've been they've been played up on television and a lot of movies. Your sports figures, uh, and, and and so then so when one of them would do something bad, this, the the uh, the media would just rip them apart, like Pete Rose. You know he uh, he was a fabulous, fantastic baseball player, and then I guess he got caught betting on his own team. <laughs> and so you know, it's all of a sudden. It, it, all those years of good baseball playing just doesn't matter anymore. He did he did something wrong. But anyway, the point is, is that there's a lot of people who uh, who who want to who want to emulate uh, uh, the, the sports players like uh, Shaquille O'Neal or Michael Michael Jordan. Uh, football, you know, uh, some football players. So, uh, I, I think I think for a lot of kids nowadays, it was it was it was doing something in 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 sports. Yeah, I think t- that might also be tied into everyone's uh, race for fame and and fortune, and sports and movies and music is where you make the money, and. I don't. I, I don't know. I just don't. I, I, well, we didn't really play sports or get into it, so I can't. I, can't, I I don't really understand why people idolize 
athletes. I mean, I can understand respecting someone's athletic prowess and like, man, that guy's really good. I mean, I understand that. I mean, I do the same with artists, but I don't like try to be them. I may try to be as good as them, but I don't look up to them and be like, okay, you know, John Smith is the best, you know, comic artist out there. Oh, man, I'm going to do everything just like him. I want to act like him. I want to talk like him. But, you know, I don't. I look at his work and say, well, okay, well, he's. I want to be as good as him. I don't want to be him, you know. Right. So, so, I, so I can't really – I don't really understand that. Um, well, like Tiger Woods. I think Tiger Woods was – maybe not now, but he was a role model for a lot of kids and maybe even the young adults because – he uh he started out playing golf at a very young age. He wasn't, you know, uh, uh, the megastar when he started out. He just consistently played, and and practiced and played and practiced and played and practiced, and that's all he did was golf, golf, and then went you know went from amateur to pro, and so as a role model, up until uh, a year ago or whatever it was. He was a good role model because he, uh, you know, every, every all his fame came from his ability to play golf. You could actually see, you know, you could act a, a tangible result, whether or not you think golf is a sport or he's an athlete or not, which I don't. But, <laughs> but at least uh, he did something for it. He played golf. He didn't. He didn't go spend three months making a movie about fiction, about something that he doesn't do, doesn't know anything about, getting $20 million to make a movie and then spend the rest of the year goofing off. <laughs> you know, he actually, he actually does something. Right. And up until, up until the sex scandal, he was a role model because people saw what he did and, and he was good and positive. What he did was good and positive. That's kind of gone now. Yeah, it's... Uh... I don't know. Maybe I just have an issue with the whole role model title. I don't. Um, I don't know because it's you know I I could see looking up to him if I wanted to play golf, I'm like okay you know he came from nothing and now he's big. Okay, I want to do that too. But that doesn't mean I. I don't know. I, I guess maybe for for young kids it's it's maybe that's the issue. But you know he he had all these affairs and stuff. But yeah, I mean I I don't agree with that, and I don't I don't think he's a, a stand up guy. Sure. Okay, but if I was trying to play golf, I wouldn't be looking at his personal life. I'd be studying how he plays golf, and I wouldn't be trying to act like him. Or exactly, you know. So I, exactly, I think there's a. I don't know. I I don't really understand the role model. I understand trying to emulate someone's talent and follow their. You know, well, okay, this is how he got famous. If I want to be a famous golfer, you know, I need to play these games and I need to learn these swings or whatever. But it doesn't mean I got to act like him or talk like him or, you know, be him. But it's almost like, oh, someone's a role model and they make a mistake. They're, they're, they're a bad role model. Well, if you're still trying to be a good golf person, golf player, you just look at his golf history. Don't pay any attention to the rest of it. Right. Well, another one that I've, I've, uh, Heard her talk about is is Christopher Reeves, you know the guy who played Superman. Uh-huh. He, uh, you know, he did a he did a good job playing Superman. Maybe one of his movies people didn't like, but that wasn't his fault that the movie wasn't any good. He didn't write the script. He he acted to the best of his ability, 
and then he fell off the horse and broke his spine. And but yet he didn't just go, he didn't just disappear. He stayed out in the public, showing people that hey, yeah, I got a broken back and I can't move from the neck down. But hey, look, so what? I'm I'm still out here, and if I can overcome this, you know, you can overcome things too. That's that's the role model part. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can I can see that. That's definitely. Um, I wonder. Um, I wonder what would have happened if they if he was doing you know cocaine or something you know if if that would have changed you know the way people presented you know I guess they still would have drug him through the mud but whether he was doing cocaine or not I'm not you know I'm not saying he is but let's say he he got caught with a bunch of cocaine or something he still came out in his wheelchair and was still saying hey I'm here you know you can still you know, overcome your, your problems, you know, but then, you know, exactly. exactly. But whether he's doing cocaine or not, I mean, I mean, that might help him, but you know, I, I don't know. It just seems so weird. It's almost like it's, it's either, or they're either good or they're bad, but at, I understand if you're a young kid, you don't want them to be looking up to people and it turns out they're doing drugs or cheating around or something, but they shouldn't be looking up to those people anyway. Exactly. They, they should be looking up to, to teachers and people in their family that are teaching them real world skills. Not, not that golf's not a, a real world skill, but how many people are going to be golf pros, you know? I don't know. I, I think we, and make a living off of it. Right. There, there's just so much emphasis on sports and movie stars and you know, it's, so what, you know, I mean, I do, I do art and it's, and, and, you know, and I try to find some sort of purpose to it because I could say the same thing. I'm like, so what, you know, I, it's a skill, but it's, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. It's not like anybody should be trying to be me, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, role modeling starts with the parents. Uh, a good parent is a good role model. And then. If you go to a school and you have some good teachers, then those teachers end up being role models. Now, I'm not, not, that, not that the kids want to be a teacher, but, but, but being a good teacher sets a good example. And a kid that might you know, consider dropping out of school might stay in school because of a good teacher. So that's a good role model. Teachers can have a big effect on kids, and the good ones have, you know, big effects on kids. Yeah, and some of them you may not even realize it till years later. They may have inspired you to actually read a book or, or go out and learn something on your own, or, right. or join a, you know, a chess club or a, I don't know, the band, whatever that you might not, you might not have wanted to do it, and they instilled self confidence in you. And you don't real you don't realize how much that affects you till five six years later, right? You know, some people use uh, well, I shouldn't say some people use it. A lot of people refer to Dr. Martin Luther King as a good role model because you know he fought for the rights of of black people, but actually he fought for the rights of all people who were being oppressed, right? Uh, and uh, he uh, he tried. He was trying to do the right thing, uh, and so uh, 
uh, he's referenced as a, as a role model, and I think that's good. He, he is a good role model. Well, yeah, and I, I think role models, too, stand out as people that, like you said, they do the right thing against um, adversity. You know, if, if you're doing the right thing and everybody's doing the right thing, well, that's great. You know, I mean, you could still be a role model, but the, the ones sometimes that stand out the most are people that, that do the right thing when no one else is or no one's looking or everyone else is doing the wrong thing. Right. Um, you know, like sometimes you'll, you drive down the road and you see someone with a flat tire or something and you might see somebody helping them. Well, you know, that's a role model in a way because you're like, oh, well, you know, next time I see someone that's stranded, you know, I, I need to help them. Right. And I've actually done that before. When I first moved here, I had to drive. Me and a guy drove somewhere. We took two trucks and there was a lady pulled over. Some hay on a truck fell off and I pulled over to help her and like three other people did. And that's the first time I've ever stopped to help somebody. And that's the first time I've ever seen like three people pull over to help somebody. Um, and I don't know if that's just because of where we live, but um, it was pretty neat. You know, I didn't really help her because everybody else was already there. And it wasn't like, you know, a young lady. It was an older lady. It was just, you know, a lady. Wasn't I'm not saying she was like this young girl or whatever. It was, you know, I'm not trying to give, it was, oh, she's pretty, so everybody helped. It was just a lady that had some stuff fell off her truck. And people stopped to help, and 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 you know it made me feel good, even though I didn't do anything. But at least I I'd find, you know I got the chance to you know help somebody, and not just drive by and go oh I should probably stop and help you know. Right. And so when you see that someone else may be may have driven by and say oh look at those people stopping uh, you know that's a good thing you know and and maybe next time when they see someone they may think back when they saw that and be like you know I need to do I need to I need to help. Oh, I'm not saying I was a role model for doing that, but I probably saw someone stop and help, and then it made me think, well, you know, I should help too. Right. I think uh, people have a, have abilities to have the chance to be role models through the mentoring programs at schools. I know one of the guys who I was working with at Tessinger, he would leave. Uh, we, we did a lot of work together, and he would leave at least one day a week, and he'd go to school. And he would do mentoring in school to help kids with math. I think it was math. Oh wow! And so, and so, yeah, that's a well, or or I guess the same thing as what we used to call tutoring. Okay. So you know that that can really be a good um, a role model for people. And I think like for young people, let's say you uh, let's say you play a musical instrument and you think, you know, hey, I, I this might be something I, I, I love to play the saxophone. And, uh, you know, could I, could I go to, could I, when I get out of school, you know, could I go to college? Could I get a job? So, so then you would, you'd want to look at someone who is a saxophone player who's possibly famous, uh, would make more sense and, and, and see how, how they, uh, how they got to be where they are and you might emulate them. You know, that, that's a positive role model. Sure. Artists, we do it. We do it every day. <laughs> you try to find somebody who's better than you and see see why are they better than you and how are they better than you and try to learn from them. Right. You know, if you look at the uh, if you look at the American Indian, I think the American Indians. Now, I'm just guessing because I was looking at a list of role models, and there's a lot of Indians that are that are uh, listed as role models, like. Uh, a guy by the name of Sequoia, 
he was a Cherokee. He developed the first writing system for uh, Indians. Uh, and then there was sitting, I think it was Sitting Bull. You know, he was a, uh, a great chief. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, Is he the one uh, that, that fought that to the fought end? or I think that was Sitting Bull. Yeah, I could, and, uh, I could see where he would be a role model for standing up for your people. And, you know, not not um, not backing down. Right. Taking the easy way out, even though he probably died. So, anyway, that, that's, that's, that's another uh, role model that, that, I, that I thought I, I saw somewhere. Yeah, I have a problem with celebrity, celebrity role models. Because so many of these celebrities... Uh, you know they're uh, they they got they've got all this money and fame from doing something fictitious. I mean they're acting. Not, not that acting is well. It's not a. I get it's a talent. Yeah, people, some people can act. Some people can't. Some people can sing. Most of us can't. Uh, but to get paid those ungodly amounts of money to act and then you know people put them up on a pedestal uh when they really aren't any better than any of us it's just that they happen to be at the right place at the right time yeah 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 the only way i could i could put any of them up as some sort of role models if they actually took that money and did something good with all of it you know well, there are some actors and actresses that do give money to causes, and and there are some of them that go overseas, and do you know, and go to different countries, sure, and try to make changes. And so, you know, that's that's a good role model. Well, I guess, uh, but, I, but how many how many people are going to be able to do that? How many of us in America are going to make mega bucks like that? And then, oh well, we'll take some of our millions and we'll go to Africa and help poor kids. Sure. And and that's the thing is, you know, they have the money. It's really, really, it's nothing to them. You know, so even if I, there was a movie star that did that all the time, it still wouldn't mean anything to me because they have the money. It's not hurting them. What would mean more to me is if someone that didn't have any money was helping the poor, which there are tons and thousands of Americans that don't have money, but they give money to charity and they donate their time. You know, those people are role models, not someone that makes, you know, a million dollars a week and they give $500,000 to charity. That's a joke, you know. Right. But the guy down the road that makes $1,000 a week and he gives, you know, half of it to his church or to charity, you know, that's a role model because he's really suffering. He's given up some luxuries in life to help other people, you know. Yeah, exactly. I I mean to butt in, but there's a guy, I I met him at uh, at, the... Lowe's the other day. I worked with him when I was in Alcoa. He was an instrument instrument technician, and he was also a uh, a preacher in a small non denominational church in the town of Port Lavaca. And you know, I worked out in the area where he worked, and we got to talking. And and at least uh, I don't know two, three, four times a year, his, him and his church people in his church would go to prisons. And try to uh, well, teach Christianity to to the inmates, and the prisons encourage this because if you can turn prisoners over to Christianity, then 
the chances of them coming back are so much less because so, according to what he said, and I've also heard it and read it, so many people in prison are there because they were in prison before. They did something wrong and they got out. Well, that's what they know how to do. Right. They did it again or did something else and they ended up back in prison. Whereas if, if, if prison ministry people come in and, uh, and, you know, reach out to them, teach them, uh, you know, about Jesus, the chances of them coming back go from, you know, 70% chance of going back to 70% chance of not going back. Anyway, I met him at, at Lowe's. So this is maybe I'm talking now, what, uh, 10 years later. And he's still, he's still doing his uh, preaching in his church. But he's uh, on the side, he started a small business uh, where he does home repairs. Okay. And he has two or three people working for him. But in addition to doing the home repairs, they will donate their time to, like, Habitat for Humanity. Oh, okay. So there's a perfect role model. Yes. Yeah, yeah. See, they don't. you don't hear about people like that. It's not, uh, it's not sensational. It's not glamorous. The media doesn't care about that. But those are the people that are really changing the world. Movies, right. Movie stars, mu- musicians, athletes, they're not doing anything. But... The people that are out there donating their time, you know, taking food to the elderly or, or you know, or uh, inner si- teaching inner city kids math or big brother, big sister, Boy Scouts, whatever. You know, those are those things affect people on a day-to-day basis. Those are things that change the world. And uh, those are role models because they're giving up their time and their money. I mean, they're, make, they're giving up seeing their families. They're giving up you know, getting to sleep eight hours a day or whatever it is to help other people. And so, yeah, those are, those are real role models. Yeah. Look at a person who had the chance to be a super role model, Britney Spears. I mean, she was, she was, was, she is young. She's talented, fat, great singer. And, uh, she could have used her fame and, uh, to be a positive role model for kids. <laughs> Boy, she screwed that up. So there is an example of how not to be a role model. And I think Barack Obama, hate to say this, but Barack Obama is a role model for a lot of people because he was uh, definitely grew up, well, I guess he started growing up poor. I think he was. And, uh, and look where he is now. When he got elected, that was you know that's that was uh, that was like a fairy tale story. Yeah, I was I was hesitant and, and I was wondering if I should bring him up or not because uh, the positive side of me is all for it, and I think yeah you know uh, anybody no matter race, creed, or color can see that and be like if he can do it, anybody can do it. You know he he broke down the wall. Anybody, uh, a poor white person, a poor black person, Asian, whatever. Anybody can be president. You know, America has said anybody can be president, you know. But at the other hand, the this, this cynical side of me is like, well, yeah, not really. Because you still have to be incredibly rich and powerful because there's no way just some poor kid is going to be president. You know what I mean? Well, I think, I think uh, I don't want to say you're wrong, but I think I hope did break that mold because he, I mean, he may be, he, he may be wealthy compared to us, but Barack Obama is no wealthy guy like Ted Kennedy was. 
you know, he, you know, his wife may have made a lot of money. He may have made a lot of money. Maybe he's, he's worth a few million dollars, but he's not worth mega millions like Kennedy is. But one of the things that Barack Obama did was Barack Obama had lots of people donate money to his campaign through the Internet and, and what I think primarily through Internet. He yeah. got a lot of money so that he could campaign. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're you're right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's got he's he's probably got some money, but the people gave him the money. That's true. I remember. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Well, that's about. I'm about. I'm about role modeled out on that one. Yeah, I guess if you want to go religious, you could always go with Jesus, but that's sort of like the ultimate. We don't, I guess we don't really. That's yeah. Not too many people are going to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's an easy one. But yeah, I can't really think of. I can't think of too many. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say politicians anymore. Maybe a long time ago they might have been. Uh, maybe you know. Maybe policemen and firemen could be role models because they're they're risking their lives every day to help people. A lot of stupid people too. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know. Half of the stuff they deal with is 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 people breaking the law, which they shouldn't be doing, or running the red lights, which they shouldn't be doing. You know, so they're out there risking their lives, and and their children may grow up without a mother or father because of some idiot. So you know, that's I don't I, I can't say that I would do the same. You know, well, what do you think about some of the book writers nowadays? Like, uh, gosh, who was it wrote Harry Potter? Um, I, I think she, I think she's a good role model because she came from nothing. She was like on welfare or whatever. She wrote an awesome book. I mean, I love them and it, it, so many kids read those books and I think the message of those books too is the same thing kind of is, you know, Harry Potter is, he was kind of doing everything on his own. I mean, he had his friends, but most of it was no one. No one believed him. No one understood him. And he was kind of dealing with so much on his own, but he overcame. And he bungled a lot of it up. Yeah. Just like a kid yeah. would. Yeah. And he, and he messed up, but he but he overcame. And um, I definitely think she's a role model. And I I know now it's probably fun to trash Harry Potter, but I mean, it, was a, it made a huge impact. It got so many kids reading again and adults. I mean, I remember reading them in college, waiting for my class to start. I, I can't really say anything negative about the books at all. I know maybe some people have problems with magic, but whatever. Um, no, I mean, definitely. Oh, I don't have a problem with magic. I mean, you know, so what? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's fiction. Yeah, you know, it's, it's some people, I, you know, maybe some of these diehard religious groups were like, well, it's teaching kids magic's cool or whatever. But, I, I, you know, if your kid is going to believe that, then you need to talk to them. Anyway, you know, you need to have a talk with them if they believe that stuff's real. But either way, you know, a kid reading a book about magic is better than a kid not reading, you know? Yeah, well, if you're going to uh, if you're going to sit down and have a talk with your child about, hey, magic, you need to you need to watch that. Then hopefully that that parent is not uh, reading books about zombies I mean, <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, how many zombies have you met? Well, chances are, if the, if there are people that are are saying magic is not good, they're probably not reading hardly anything or watching anything because 
you know, you can't, you got to draw the line and it's going to be way out there. You can't, you probably can't watch hardly any cartoons. You can't. And that, and that may be, and that may be the case. I don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, it could be. Yeah. Uh, another writer that that's impressed me is I, I think I remember when he wrote his very first books was Michael Crichton. He he wrote some pretty, you know, he broke out in, into the into the uh, thriller mystery writing ser- uh, world. And now, I mean, he's he's like a Stephen King. He's got books out all the time. Oh, well, Stephen King, another another person. But but you know, but I don't know that they're a, that they're role models for for young younger people because I don't know. You know, the people reading their books, I would think, are, you know, 20s and, and later. So, you know, I guess role model time is already gone. Well, I don't know. I, I, I personally don't look at any of them as role models because I don't know anything about them. I just know their work. And, yeah, and what, right what, that. Whereas I could say, you know, yeah, man, Stephen King, he, he's written like 50 books. That's awesome. That's something to aspire to if you're a writer. But as far as a role model, I mean, I guess you could, um, if you wanted to be a writer, you could pick apart his work and see why he's so successful. And that could be a role model to you, just the same way artists do. You know, you you pick your writer and, okay, Stephen King, why why is he so successful? But um, I don't know, for me anyway, other other than a writer, I don't, I don't really see them as role models. But I guess, I guess, I mean, maybe writers do. But the Harry Potter, what J.K. Knowles was that her name? J.K. Rowling. She's the only one I remember actually knowing anything about the writer. Yeah. Except when Stephen King got ran over by that van. But I don't know anything about any writers. But that's just me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe reporters might have used to have been role models, but uh, I don't know. It's it's at least for like again for me, I don't really know of any reporters by name. I think maybe back in the day they might have had more of a, a more status where when you read the paper you know which reporters doing the reporting like you know Sam's always got the beat on the crime or whatever um but now it just seems like it's you know whoever but I could be wrong but that's all I got Yeah maybe we ought to maybe we ought to have a have we talked about have a have a a zombie uh a zombie podcast. Oh, I'm always up for some zombie. <laughs> Zombies, yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe, we could, maybe we get some other people to join in on a zombie podcast. Because uh, to me, I know this is digressing because it's not role models, but there's been so many movies about zombies and how do you survive and, and, and all that kind of stuff and, and, and living through zombies and all that what I would really like to see is a is a is a movie that goes into detail. How did they become zombies? Oh yeah, yeah. They always dance around it because nothing will ever make sense. <laughs> yeah, on that what well, on that on that one movie. Uh, what is it? I Legend. Didn't he the movie guy? Isn't, isn't he the uh, zombie? Will Smith was a zombie guy. Yeah. They kind of, yeah, they kind of danced around it. It was some sort of virus or, I don't know exactly, or, or, or something going wrong in a laboratory. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's usually a virus or some sort of 
radiation, either from a bomb or from space, or uh, some kind of genetic mutation that gets out. But they never really get into it because uh, I, this is just you know my opinion. But you you can never really explain it because it's zombies don't make sense. You know, there's no way zombies could exist. There's no way creatures could walk around with their arms torn off and just crawling around on bones. You know, it's without muscles and stuff. It just won't work. Um, right. But it's just the idea of the of this horde of used to be people coming after you endlessly, and they won't stop, and they just want to eat you, and that's their whole purpose. So, yeah, yeah, you can't really explain it. <laughs> it's just fun now, but I think originally the zombies stood for stood for like uh, a message against mankind's what is it like their consumerism how we were just just eating everything and taking everything and constantly moving forward maybe something like that and then it, now it's just you know run from the zombies <laughs> yeah but yeah we could do we could do all kind of zombie podcasts sure anything else no that's it okay well that was that was very interesting dad thank you you're welcome i guess uh thanks everyone else for listening to tupacast you can find all the episodes, artwork, and a blog at ctupa.com. That's C-T-U-P-A dot com. And if you'd like to be on any of the podcasts, just, uh, send me a message or leave a comment on the site, and we'd love to have you. And with that, I guess we'll say goodnight. Goodnight. Okay. Uh, my brother Matthew called in, so hello, Matthew. Hey. And you're still there, right, Dad? I are. Okay. All right. So, Matthew, you uh, – you, uh, you wanted to uh, review a game for us? Sure. I recently finished Mass Effect 2 for the computer, and I uh, figured I'd do a quick, a little quick review. Um, I played, I played Mass Effect 1, so this was a sequel to it, and uh, I loved Mass Effect 1, so that's kind of a... I'm, I'm biased towards the second game coming in. Um, so Mass Effect, for those who haven't played the first one... It's a, it's a marriage of a first-person shooter game and a role-playing game. So you, know, you run around and you shoot stuff, kind of like in Doom and you know modern warfare and whatnot. But at the same time, you have to deal with leveling up your characters. And there's a lot of in-between shoot-'em-up sections where you go around and you talk to people. And, oh, you know, I'm missing my cat. And you got to go search for the cat and then come back to that person and say, I found your cat. And they say, okay, and they give you a reward or whatnot. So, you know, it, 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 it's kind of a, a mixture of the two. Um, so it took me forever to get into it and that's just, you know, personal schedule and whatnot. But once I got into it, I got hooked and it was a lot of fun. Um, I won't go into a lot of the details that a lot of the gaming sites cover, like, you know, UGO and whatnot. They, they kind of cover the what's different, what's new. Um, I'll just kind of pick up from there and elaborate. So that's kind of my intro. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, um, the, Again, I played the first one. I loved the first one once I actually figured out how to play it because the instructions were horrible. And uh, having adapted myself to the first one and and loving the first one, you jump into the second one and right away you're hit with differences. And uh, the first difference, and to me one of the most obvious, was there's no inventory system. So in the first one, you know, I'd complete a mission and then I'd kind of just set aside an hour or half an hour of my time. And I'd go through all my inventory and I'd say, okay, I've got, you know, 20 rifles and 20 sniper rifles and 15 shotguns. And, you know, you kind of whittle down the crappy ones and you give, you know, your, your tier one players the best shotguns, the best rifles, and your tier two the second best, you know, and so on. And that was a lot of fun. 
was figuring out who gets the best loot and who gets the best upgrades and how to balance your upgrades because you know you want your team to have a tech and a biotic and a heavy weapons person and and, and to me it was a lot of fun balancing um, the different upgrades. Well, in Mass Effect 2, they did away with all that. And so basically, your guys have all the same uh, a kind of tier of weapons. So, you know, an assault person will have the same gear as a second assault person, and all your biotics have the same weapons. So it really takes a lot of the individuality and, and customization out, which I did not like. Even all the way through the end, I did not like. So what it boils down to is when you start your mission... You, you know, you can pick from, I don't know, seven or eight different characters to join you. And there's really not that much differentiation between all the different characters. And I really felt that hurt the game. I mean, yeah, there's subtle differences between Jack and, you know, Samara. But it really doesn't matter in the end. And I would give that a negative mark that, you're, you, you know, it doesn't really matter who you pick to join your away team. Um, the AI is much more improved. So on your away team, in the old game... I would kind of like, you know, you land and you get into a, a firefight and as soon as a firefight starts, one of your people would be dead and the other guy would be halfway dead and it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, you're going to die. And as soon as they die, then you can actually move about freely as you want and, and, and complete the mission. Well, in Mass Effect 2, the characters are smart enough that they'll actually kill most of the en- enemies before you even get a chance. So it kind of, <laughs> they're almost a little too good. Um, they they, they kind of rob you from some of the fun of shooting people. Um, but I would definitely recommend the game if you've played Mass Effect 1 play Mass Effect 2 uh, you, there, there's a bit of a, a changeover kind of the, the stuff I've mentioned and you'll read on the standard reviews just changing over to the new game but it's definitely worth it this one Mass Effect 2 is much more cinematic whereas in the other one you know, you, you, you really interacted a lot more and there was a lot fewer cutscenes here Especially, you know, some of the final missions, you, you, you know, you, you play and then there's like a 10 minute cutscene, and then, you know, you play some more and then there's a cutscene that, that includes the final battle and the resolution. And it's like, well, I, I didn't actually have anything to do with any of that. You know, I mean, I, I fought a bunch of guys, but then you're showing me a cutscene of the final battle and the final resolution and, and it, it I don't know. It seems like it's almost more of a movie than an actual game. Oh. And, you know, if you like that, that's fine. But to me, it, it seemed to rob me of a lot of the interactivity. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, so I guess, yeah, I'm like, I feel like I'm talking a lot. I guess so, because I'm doing a review. But uh, <laughs> I, I would, if, again, if you played Mass Effect 1 and you really liked it, definitely play Mass Effect 2. I mean, if, but if that's the case, you've already played it and beat it. Uh, if you've never played Mass Effect, it's worth playing. The universe they create is so rich and so you know complete that it's really a phenomenal game. Um, e- even all the negatives, because you know I was looking for the negatives because I'm like, okay, well I'm looking for this to be wrong, I'm looking for that to be wrong, and you know they're there if you pick it apart. But when you get to like the final mission, and I won't give anything away, but I was just floored. I mean, even at the very end, I was like, oh, holy crap! I mean, they set the bar high and they met it, you know. Yeah. And it's like, how are they even going to top this for the third game? But uh, it's it's definitely worth playing, and it, it it totally sucks you in. My only real complaint, other than you know the ones I mentioned, was by the time you get to a point in the game where you you feel like you can kick a lot of butt, you know, you've got your crew together, you've got your ship, you've got your level ups going on, you got your good equipment. The game's like three quarters over, 
and you never really get to take a lot of your people out on missions to flesh them out. Uh, case in point, there's there's one guy or person you pick up pretty much right before the last mission, and it's like, okay, well, you know, this seems like a really cool, you know, party member. At what point do I get to take them on a bunch of missions to put them through the paces to see what they can do? Well, you never get to. Um, and, and to me, that was kind of sad because by the time you get everything put together and you're ready to rock and roll, the game's over. And it's like, well, I, I want to keep going, but you can't. Okay, cool. Sounds good. There you go, everybody. Mass Effect 2. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a, a shotgun blast of random thoughts. but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we, were, uh, we just wrapped up role models. So I guess, uh, I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really... I don't have any role models, which is, I guess, weird. Eh. I don't know. I mean, there's no one I really particularly specifically look up to or idolize. Okay. Well, then uh, <laughs> thanks, everyone, for uh, listening to this episode of TubiCast. We'll catch you next time. Good night. <laughs> night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>